Episode thirty-nine, the invitation, part one. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Betrion, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Erythrondir. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now, let's get right to Ravenloft. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Curse of Strahd Twice Bitten, the show where five DMs take on D&D's top gothic horror campaign. I'm Dragnacarta, your host and DM, and it is lovely to have you all here today. A quick bit of bad news, uh, sadly, or perhaps not bad, but news all the same. Uh, We will be away next week due to the fact that it's summer, something that unfortunately is never true in Barovia. And so I'm sure we will miss you all very much. We will. (laughs) I'm kidding. Unfortunately, that does mean that in the time when we will all be enjoying our beach episode, uh, the Twice Bitten cast will completely fail to enjoy a beach episode of their own. So, sorry. We're going to wear Dracula capes to the pool uh, in unison, in solidarity. (laughs) Are you sure we can't have a beach episode in-game? Please. I'm going to be in Mexico. I'll tell you what, ask me again when we do Rhyme of the Frostmaiden and you can bathe in a sheet of ice. How's that? Yeah, on it. All right, I will build my character around that, promise. Oh, God. All right. Well, I have no one to blame but myself. Let's power forward. All right. Well, thank you all. I think we're about ready to get jumping in. So let's get started with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day chaos. Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metreon. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metreon the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer, as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisen has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. 
Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrindir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite gotten enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. And welcome back, everyone. So, last we left off on Curse of Strahd, twice bitten. Our companions found themselves at the decrepit, run-down manor of Argenvastolt, exploring its unhallowed and seemingly abandoned halls for any secrets or allies that they could wield in the battle against Strahd. As they did, they encountered several revenants within, including a former knight of the Order of the Silver Dragon named Sir Godfrey Gwillem, and the commander of the revenants, Sir Vladimir Horngard. Though they learned that they could rely on no aid or assistance from the revenants in the fight against Strahd, they were entreated by the spirit, seemingly, of the dragon Argenvost, founder and former patron of the Order of the Silver Dragon, to restore his bones to their sacred resting place at Argenvastolt's mausoleum. After a long and uh, challenging encounter with some phantom warriors, spirits remaining of the original Order's members, the companions made their way back to the Blue Water Inn in Velaki. Upon arriving there, there was a controversy of sorts, a series of conversations as several members of the party discussed certain tactical decisions that had been made and at times overstepped their bounds onto painful memories. Though the members of the party did their best to mend over wounds that had been created in the course of these interactions and began planning for what was to come. At that same time, after the series of a frank series of conversations accompanied by a watchful bat, the group ultimately returned to the tap room to join the Marta Cubs for dinner and a special treat as Erthrandir and Erwin emerged from the kitchen, bearing a cake in celebration of Amity's birthday. The festivities, however, were soon interrupted as there came a knock at the door and Strahd himself waiting outside. And so, we return. Kiva, as you stand in the entryway of the Blue Water Inn, looking out at the man standing tall on the other side of the entryway, Strahd looks down upon you, his eyes glinting. You actually, for a moment, see a spark there, a reddish glow beyond the mere shine of his crimson irises, and recognize in there the same burning, almost hypnotic flame you saw flickering there, outside the Baron's house in Kresk. You feel yourself losing your sense of self in those deep, burning red, flickering eyes, and then his gaze shifts. Please, forgive me the interruption. It would seem I'm intruding upon a special occasion. You watch as his gaze lingers on the cake for a moment, 
and then shifting toward Lilithin, his smile curling faintly upward. A celebration of a new romantic entanglement, perhaps. Kiva just looks really excited and um, sort of elated that he's there and uh, turns around and just says, it's actually, uh, it's Amity's birthday today. It's really nice of you to come. We've had a crazy, crazy day. I can imagine so. You certainly lead quite the lively lives. He hears someone else speaking. Was that Lillison? Yeah. Uh, Lillison glances over to Kiva with like a bit of a look of panic. She stands up, making sure not to look straight into Strahd's eyes, and uh, dips him a very deep curtsy and says, Lord Von Sarovich, it is very considerate of you to look in on our unworthy selves. What may we do for you? Well, I must confess that it is always my pleasure to visit such social gatherings of my subjects, especially when there are such events to be celebrated. He looks toward each of you in turn. My congratulations to one of your member on what I have gleaned from our dear Baroness Vokter. It seems that some congratulations are in order, wouldn't you agree? He looks toward Erthrandir. Erth has been focused on Kiva, his eyes just in the mental calculation of panic, but the moment Strahd looks at him, he frantically shifts his gaze away. I think that as pleasant as all this is, you have a reason for being here, and in all likelihood it means that one of us is about to be in quite a bit of pain, so... Would you mind skipping the pleasantries? I know you do like to hear yourself talk. Kiva just shoots Erthrandir a look, and is like, what? Why are you being so rude? Lillison also shoots Erthrandir a look, for the same reasons, but different underlying reasons. Kiva just looks up at, at Strahd and it, like gives a sort of apologetic, like, I'm sorry about him. If we if you need to go talk, um, maybe we can can go talk somewhere or or, um... or maybe you can come in you know we're just having a party here yeah do you can't eat cake Metreon oh he's a party I mean listen he's coming in the spirit of peace right right, right, right Mrs. Everich Amity is counter charming um through muffled continually eating cake once Metreon says those words, Kiva would reach out and uh, take Strahd's arm if he would allow it to, like, t- pull him inside. Like, once the invitation's been given, she's like, oh, yeah, like, fuck it. Strahd inclines his head. How generous of you. I graciously accept. And he's, as he steps over the threshold, there's a glint in his smile, and you can see as the reddish glow slowly fades from his eyes, leaving them their familiar dull crimson. But believe me, I have business of my own to attend this evening, and I assure you this is a brief social call, nothing more. 
But you are correct that I have my own purpose for attending. Though I must say that the hospitality of the esteemed Blue Water Inn is always a pleasure to enjoy. Oi, Erwin, Danica, you got an extra plate for this man? Erwin and Danica have wide eyes, very studiously, trying to avoid looking at Strahd. Erwin whispers something in Danica's ear, and Danica immediately says in a low voice, Children, upstairs please, to your rooms. Immediately, uh, Dag and Stefania begin standing up, pushing their chairs away, keeping their eyes away from Strahd, and gesturing around to uh, the children, uh, including Brahm and Bray, and begin ushering them away from the table. While that's happening, Kiva would um, offer Strahd her chair uh, to sit down if he would like it. He holds up a hand, shaking his head. No need, my dear. As I mentioned, I'm here only for a brief time. But as your friend mentioned, it is, well, perhaps fortuitous that you should, we should be on such fine terms this evening. You see, I heard recently from my friends in Verlaki that... You, addressing Kiva, recently showed quite the ferocious display, and with a new toy, no less. Oh, uh, she looks touched that he noticed, um, or cares to inquire about it. Um, but just, uh, says... Well, um, yeah, actually, and she will, she will, <laughs> this is so stupid, she's gonna pull out the sun sword and turn it on. Oh, don't, don't turn it on, you know that'll hurt him. Oh, it's not, she's already done it, so, oh. <laughs> she's very stupid, and she's trying to impress him, so, and not thinking, so yeah. Oops. As you do, Strahd inspects the blade briefly. You watch as the light burns around him with a radiant glow, and his skin begins to glimmer with a brilliant scarlet red. You can watch almost as a small wisp of steam and smoke begin to rise from his pale flesh, instantly healing over and regenerating. Oh, oh my god, she'll turn it off when she notices that and like tuck it back away. As I'm soon so as you as soon as you make the move to turn it off, you hear a roaring defiance in the back of your mind, a sense of rage and anger and hatred as the sun sword bursts into the back of your thoughts. You feel a sense of confusion, anger at betrayal, and an inexorable force pushing against your will. Um, as you move to turn off the sun sword, I will need you to make a charisma check, please. Yes! It's happening. Oh, oh my god. Charisma check or a save? Charisma check, please. Just a standard charisma check. <laughs> That's an eight. As you do, you feel the sun sword's will beginning to overpower yours. In that same moment, you feel the influence upon your mind. You feel the desire that you had to 
obey Strahd's simple request begin to fade and flicker. Although, for some reason, as you look at Strahd and his comforting smile, you cannot help but feel a deep sense of trust, a willingness to listen to him. And at the same time, you feel this forceful push in the back of your mind as you feel this sense of stubbornness and defiance and a will to keep burning. You feel unmistakably that the Sun Sword wants to stay on. At the same time, you feel the overwhelming power of Strahd's own forceful request overlaying every thought in your mind. Do you obey Strahd's request or do you keep the Sun Sword out? Did he make a request? Did he, yeah, did he tell her to put it away? Uh, he asked you to put it away. The Sun Sword said do not. But you are charmed by Strahd. Is there... Is there a role that I have to make to see which one I one I listen to, or is this like a personal choice? You're charmed by both. Fuck! Uh, That's You uh, no, you are not. Um, yeah. Uh, you are not currently charmed by the item. It is an opportunity to make a demand to you, and it is making its demand now. But you are still charmed by Strahd. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because she's charmed by Strahd, she's not thinking right. Um, I hope this doesn't, like, break her relationship with the Sun Sword. Um, is Amity's counter charm, uh, taking effect? Amity Not is counter charming, um, mm -hmm. continuously. She's also, by the way, going to start rolling on the spirit table. Good plan. All right, love it. Um, okay. uh, she's gonna, she's gonna put it away. I feel like Strahd's influence is stronger than the Sun Sword in her mind. All right, um, as, as soon as you begin to stow it, you feel a sudden glimmering of radiance, and then an oncoming tide, a tsunami of brilliant light, as you feel the will, the mind of the Sun Sword attempts to flood across your consciousness, overriding your will entirely. I need to make you to make a charisma saving throw for me, with advantage because of that counter charm. 19! Uh, you I feel... feel like Right? A wail of sorrow in the back of your mind as this nova of light and defiance goes dark. And you put the sun sword away. Oh god, did she just permanently fuck that up? Oh, that's gonna be upsetting. Whatever, she can reattune, I think. Um, yeah, she'll, um, put it away, tuck it back in where she keeps it, um, and just sort of reach out to Strahd and, like, sort of like she did after the, the first bite attack, like, check that he's okay, sort of like, you know, um, that sort of thing. Uh, check that he's okay and just apologize profusely, um, almost like bowing down um, in, in sort of embarrassment. Strahd shakes his head, smiling. Please, do not feel the need to apologize. I appreciate your willingness to share the, well, the v treasure that you seem to have found. Why, given the description of your deeds the previous evening, I simply had to see it for myself. Mitran leans over as Amity is uh, 
I, I was, I suppose she's singing uh, or telling a story. And uh, he goes, uh, I told her not to turn it on, silly goof. You're proud of me then. Oh, but of course, how could I not? If you wouldn't mind, uh, such a weapon is difficult for any to master. I would be most intrigued to inspect it more closely. Wait! Eric pushes his chair back. Her, I'm sorry, Kiva, but before he does that, I've I've had a hell of a day. I'm I'm, and I know holding that thing makes you feel really lovely. I I'm I'm sorry, but could you let me have it for a moment? I'll give it right to him. I promise. I just I've been real after everything we've gone through. I just need that light for a minute. Um, I don't know. Does this, is this something that like, uh, I don't know how charming it is, so I just wanted like. Yeah. Can I do like, can I see if he's telling the truth? Cause yeah. I, you know, yeah. Same. Insight everybody on Aerith and Deer. Yeah, it's going to be an, I'm <laughs> sorry. Right. That's a 20, oh, that's a 20 no for, <laughs> 20 for Metreon. 15 11. for Aerith and Deer. Keep her rolled a three. She's doing great tonight, guys. All right. I would say Metreon, uh, well, actually, what does Metreon hold, notice? Actually, hold on a moment. Very well. Holding. Never mind. Right. Oh, Keeper, don't let him do it. He's trying to, he's trying to trick you. He's trying to be clever over there. I am. Why did he get over here? I am trying to recover after the, one of the worst days of my fucking life. Well, I can recover over here. And Metreon gets up off the table and like wraps his arm around Randy and starts to pull him away from Kiva and, and Strahd. No, please. What do, what do we actually get from Aerithrandir's deception? That uh, is a question that Aerithrandir must answer. Uh, well, Metreon knows he's lying. For the rest of y'all, yeah, no, he does seem genuinely, like, heartbroken just kind of after all the after the fight and trying to save kiva's life earlier today it seems like he just wants to have a bit of that good sun juice not to turn it on just feel that personality kiva looks um between earth and deer and strad and looks very guilty um and just says I think I'd I'd rather hold on to it if that's okay. Oh yeah, no. If you if you want to hold on to it, fine. Just a. Uh... I can tell you anything. Okay. Stop, but I I just I. After everything that I've gone through, it brings me an incredible deal of comfort. You understand, and I. Uh, I just I don't. You're very. Kind Please, there is no me. need to apologize. Uh, in fact, allow me to offer a, a compromise. Perhaps I was overly hasty in my initial request. You may hold on to it, of course. I would not presume to take such a treasure away from its wielder, but if you would allow me to only peruse the hilt as well with my own hands, I promise I mean no ill will. As Strahd speaking, Earth is sidling around the table with the... like his legs are tensing, and he is... Anyone who can read body language can probably tell he's getting ready to tackle Kiva if she actually tries to let him hold it. Wilson's going to try to insight Strahd. Go um, for it. Hold on. Uh, wait, don't do it yet. Um, because Amity is saying, 
Listen, I think you understand this situation better than I do, and she's giving Willis and Bardic inspiration. Oh, thank you. Uh, what dice is that? It's a d8. <laughs> okay, that is a total of nine. <laughs> Strahd is difficult to read at best. There, however, you know, you don't catch any shifting of his body language or any obvious tells. Lillison, nevertheless, has her own suspicions about what he might be doing. Um, she very politely ducks her head and says, Is there some sort of um, particular information you're looking for? Uh, anything having to do with perhaps the history of this blade? We know very little about it ourselves, after all. He gives you a discerning look, an eyebrow raised in almost the look of, uh, satisfaction. Well, certainly, I have encountered many notable treasures, weapons in the centuries that I have ruled Barovia. This one struck my interest, and if you would allow me a mere moment. And, he holds up a hand, should it truly be such a concern to your compatriots. I need not handle it. I respect your wishes. But only a moment of close inspection. Please. Humor a, a man in his love for pieces of history. Kiva, um, there's that fucking word. Um, man, I hate this. It's literally making me ill. Um, she's just so desperate to please. So she will um, take out the sun sword. She's gonna hold it. She's not gonna give it to him. And um, hold it in one hand and take his hand and hold it and allow him to like touch it and look at it. But she's oh, still holding it. In that case, Erythrindir is going to try and grapple her. Metron uh, was hanging on to Randy. I don't know if that affects anything. If you'd like to grapple Arthur you're welcome to. Uh, if he seems like he's trying to intervene and interrupt what her and Strahd are doing, yeah, he would. All right, make an athletics check contested by Arthur choice of athletics or acrobatics. All right. 15. 13. All right. In that case, Arthur you're able to move toward Kiva. Uh, if you would like to try to grapple her. He could and he would. What's this, uh, acrobatics? Your choice of athletics or acrobatics. <laughs> Jesus Oh, wow. Christ! That's a five. That's an 11. Yeah, so he, he <laughs> grapples. I don't know how quickly I think that he gra grabs onto the sun sword arm, probably. Yeah, I don't know how quickly that happens in the Kiva directing Strahd's hand, but, uh, yeah. I would say there's a brief moment when his fingertips very nearly brush against it, but due to the disparity in the roles between the two of you, Erythrindir, you just barely managed to tug her out, her arm away from him, before he manages to make contact with it. What are you doing? Randy, what are you doing? This is a peaceful gathering. Yeah, I'm being very peaceful. I just like to see the sword for a minute. You're not being peaceful, you're trying to tackle us, trying to interrupt this. Why are you this. trying to take it away? 
I just... Look, it's been a day. I just want to you feel... You have yelled at me all evening, and I have a friend here who's trying... And you're embarrassing me. Sorry. As I believe, I am dreadfully sorry to embarrass you. This is just very urgent, unfortunately. What could possibly be so urgent? Use it. Because I... I had to watch you nearly die today. And I am really sick of watching people I love try and kill themselves. What do you mean trying to kill herself? She's just with Strode. Strode's not going to do nothing. Not just that early. And he just looks at Strahd, not in the eyes. So, you en you enjoy you enjoying the show, sire? Shall I dance too? Gotten better at that lately. <clears throat> um, I didn't yell at you earlier, Kiva. Can I take a look at the sun sword? You have to promise me you won't give it to Earthendir, please. I mean, I. Strahd, is this okay? I'm I'm so sorry. I. Please, you have to understand that they don't speak for me or, or act for me. I know it may seem like they want to. Please, I understand completely. Again, there is no need. And if your compatriots are truly so concerned with such a thing, of course I would not object to uh, Miss Amity, I believe, handling the item for a time. But of course, again, I must ask simply, I do not require anything that might violate your sensibilities, but but a mere moment to regard it, eyes only. And he gives Erthrandir a somewhat sarcastic-looking nod and smile. Well, surely there can't be any problem with you looking. Amity, right? Um, of course not. Amity goes to take the sun sword, not looking at Strahd. I, I would like to before she does that just quickly insight because she didn't she didn't say whether or not she wasn't going to get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, she yeah she didn't. And she didn't say yes or no. One quick thing about sequencing. One quick thing about sequencing is that he asked to see it before Amity took it. Yeah, yeah, she okay. didn't give it to Amity yet. Um, so Kiva will again <laughs> hold on to the sun sword and um come up nice and close to Strahd. Um, Eric's still grappling her. He is not let go. <laughs> oh, going. really? Can I try to, can I, is there another thing to like try to get out of I that? Mean, you can try to burst free or you can just hold the sun sword up. He's not asking for any special proximity. You're still like within six feet of him. Okay, yeah. So she'll she'll hold it up for him and um, and ha hold it up to, to look at. Wilson is going to edge a little closer towards the door um, and she's going to cast message to Erythrindir, just very, very quietly saying, I think he can do no harm by looking, but if he tries to snatch it and leave... I'll be ready. You be too. Of course. So who gets their hands on the sun sword first? So Kiva, Kiva has it in her hand and she's going to hold it up for Strahd while Erythrindir is grappling her. <laughs> okay, as you do, Strahd makes no motion to take it. In fact, his arms, uh, his hands are clasped together behind his back, pushing his cloak aside as he just gently leans forward, perusing and inspecting the curve and the make of the hilt. 
his eyes lingering over the gem in the guard for a moment. A fascinating weapon. Why, in a certain light, it very nearly resembles an artifact whose wielder I had the fortune to know many years ago. He gives a small nod and leans away, smiling. Kiva, thank you. Look, yeah, she looks like she would go to the moon. Um, she's going to to lower her arm down and just look at Erthrandir. Like, can I go back to this conversation now? You are welcome to talk from where you are. Look, I really don't think it's necessary for you to touch me. Uh, I think that your point has been made. <laughs> I think I disagree. I am dreadfully sorry. Yeah, now she's going to try to break out of the... Alrighty. Holy fucking can, Christ! Did someone I... turn on a roll thing? Uh, okay. Can Amity give guidance to Erthrandir if this is a different turn? I don't know if, how, like, to what extent we're in initiative. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I if would I could... S- mm-hmm give Kiva advantage because I'm trying to pull him away, trying to keep Strahd and her little conversation as safe as possible. <laughs> sure, why not? Holy fucking <laughs> I, hate, I hate... Oh my god. I'm about Unfor- to- Unfortunately, Aerithrandir is going to have to cutting words this anyway because you rolled a seven and he got a four. God <laughs> fucking damn it. And Listen, Amity wow. gets uh, her guidance as well. And what's Lillison doing? While this cuddle pile is going on, Millicent, by the door, by herself, um, sort of inclines her head a little bit and says, A most remarkable person, I'm sure, if they once wielded this blade. His gaze... I was trying to find out. <laughs> His gaze sweeps over you, Lillison, and he gives a small nod. Indeed they were. What is the outcome of our grapplies? Well, after Erthrandir cuts in with his cutting words and Amp- Serene, er, Kiva now has a zero. Listen, I'm not asking you to be mean to him. Just talk to him from here, please. My lord, can you please give me some assistance? He sighs and raises a hand. Please, no. You must accept my apologies for the disruption and forgive my intrusion. As I mentioned, I only came for a brief visit, and I assure you I shall not trouble you much longer. No, please, he... it's, it's really no trouble. I... Yeah, we've got plenty of cake. <laughs> I fear I have little appetite for cake, but please do enjoy it in my stead. Your business is so pressing, my lord. At least allow me to escort you outside. Ah, uh, I would appreciate that, but before I go, I would just like to wish across you and your friends. As I am sure you are aware, I have had my eye on you for some time now. He looks toward Lillison his gaze lingering on her. Well, I am sure that some among you may have wondered at times if you have disappointed me, I must reassure you that my expectations have been met and indeed well exceeded. He turns back to Kiva, inclining his head very slightly as if in a gesture of respect. Please 
in celebration of the momentous occasions you celebrate this evening, accept my humble gift. And he reaches into his cloak and pulls out a small scroll, sealed with red wax, and proffers it toward Kiva. For me, uh, my lord, I'm, I'm in no way deserving of, of any kindnesses. Ah, my dear, but it is for you and your friends. Please, it is rude to refuse a gift from one's host. Of course, uh, thank you, and she'll she'll take it uh, and and hold it very very lovingly against her chest. He smiles and turns toward Lillison. Well, I do appreciate the offer. I do believe that I would not wish to keep you longer than necessary. Unless, of course, there was anything in particular I might be required for. Required for? No, not at all. I merely wished to, uh... Offer a bit more courteousness than perhaps you have seen this evening. Then let it be known that courtesy is never a gift that I shall refuse. He turns toward your friends, inclines his head again, and says, I do look forward to our next meeting. Good evening. And he turns and steps out of the door. Oh, good night, sir. Aerith hears the sir at the end. His face just twists. How can you let me go? Once he's gone. He's gone. He's not causing no trouble, Randy. Just relax. Why you gotta be such a party pooper? Aerith just kind of shoots a look over to Amity like, what the fuck? Your boyfriend's over here ruining a perfectly good birthday party. Can you tell him just to relax? I don't believe that he's actually not still listening to us, but um, Metreon, Kiva, and maybe Lillison, you're currently under the effect of some magic that's ruining your mind, so we don't really... We're not listening to you right now. I mean, no offense. What do you mean I'm not under no effect? What are you talking about? Good God. Yeah, Kiva's gonna again try to pull away from Aerith and Deer. <laughs> He's committed. He is committed. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while this is happening, while this yeah, is happening, I'll, I'll what is Lillison doing? Lillison steps out the door, uh, like a respectful two steps behind Strahd, and uh, just kind of lingers there. All right. Um... He turns toward you in that one moment before he turns to leave entirely, just lingering under the overhang of the second floor of the Blue Water Inn. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you and your compatriots this evening. And I'm sure that I look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Very, very soon, my lord. It would be an honor. And she curtsies very deeply again. Most excellent. I look forward to it. And with that, his form slowly fades away into mist, a cloud that swirls away from you across the ground before 
swirling up into the sky. Around you, you hear the sounds of dozens, then hundreds of squeaks and chittering and the flapping of voluminous wings as all around you, you see the darkness that you would momentarily taken to be just the black siding of the walls of the buildings around you are in fact hundreds if not thousands of bats sweeping up into the air swirling around the cloud of mist like a vortex of black and darkness and then as you watch them ascend into the night sky the dark wings and clouds meld with the overcast evening above and slowly they recede until they are gone into the night. For that eight-hour flight back to Ravenclaw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep attention somehow. I'm dying. Wilson watches that for a few moments more. Then she turns, walks back in, and closes the door. And just lets out a long sigh. <sighs> He's gone. All right. Aerith immediately loses his grip on Kiva's arm. What the fuck was that about? I tell you what, we've had a hell of a day. I'll tell you tomorrow. Kiva, as soon as he says that, you and Metreon feel your senses return to you as the charm dissolves. Uh, what? And you see Metreon, like, almost as if he's about to topple over. Kiva takes a moment and looks at the scroll in her hand. And with like just a bursting of tears mixed with like, it's not even, she, she like doesn't have any more rages, but this is something that triggers, she's like her, her cheek starts bleeding that black blood again and she's gonna open it um, silently. The Metreon is, is tr struggling to stand on his feet and kind of topples over and into the cake a bit. Uh, knocking into it with a shoulder and uh, is followed by cold sweats and he almost hyperventilating at this point uh, trying to like get as far away from everybody within the room as possible while staying in the room Wilson's going to try to approach Metreon slowly with her hands up yeah he, he he's He's cowering at this point. He, he doesn't seem like he's even recognizing anybody else in the room. She takes a few more steps towards him, then glances back. Are Erwin and Danica still here? You note that Erwin and Danica seem to have disappeared into the kitchen briefly, and there's a flicker of movement from the kitchen door, and you see both of them peering out very faintly, bearing crossbows in their hands. You hear Erwin croak, croak. He's gone then. He's gone. I watched him go. I... Is there a blanket or something close by? He swiftly stows the crossbow at his hip and then nods. Yes, of course. I'll, I'll fetch one, hostess. And he quickly uh, begins to make his way up the stairs, following the path that uh, Stefania and the children took as they made their way upstairs. I've helped you on everything. I've helped on everyone. Oh no, no. And he's not sobbing. He's like beyond the point of of of. It's just obscenely uh, broken, right? Hello, boy. Allison is like 
sort of obviously conflicted whether or not to get closer to him and keeps on like glancing upstairs uh, waiting for the blanket. But what yeah, does the scroll... Yeah, so Kiva at this point will have sat down. She's like wiping her face very angrily with her hands um, and then will uh, try to read the, the scroll or see whatever it is. All right. Uh, the scroll itself is sealed with uh, red wax pressed into the shape of a seal of a castle upon a shield with a raven's wing spread on either side. As you break it, you see written in a fine, elegant, spidery cursive a letter. And if you would like to check the handout section of your items page, you should now be able to see all of you Strahd's invitation. Oh, no. no you didn't. No, no. Would you uh, like to read it, Kiva? Yes. My friends, know that it is I who have brought you to this land, my home, and know that I alone can release you from it. I bid you dine at my castle so that we can meet in civilized surroundings. Your passage here will be a safe one. I await your arrival. Your host, Strahd von Zarevich. She'll crumple it up and throw it onto the table and then um, get up from the table very angrily and go up to the room. She's going outside? Uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't. What more can he take that he hasn't already taken tonight? And that's all she's going to say. Just go upstairs. Aerith picks up the letter and slowly uncrumples it and reads through it. And when he looks up, his face is ashen. He's found his new angle. He's asked us to dinner. When? There does not seem to be an RSVP. But it's at the castle. He... I don't know what he wants. But it might be to have us all nice and presentable before he kills us all. He just kind of numbly sets the letter down on the table as an invitation if others want to read it. And then sits down as close to Metreon as he'll let him. Yeah, he doesn't fight. Uh, if anything, he looks like he's almost coming out of shock. Uh, but uh, Dragon, did you say that uh, the Mardukrovs are still in the the building? By this point, Mar- uh, Irwin has returned with the blanket Lillison requested, and Danica is kind of uh, looking around with some sort of shock uh, and very shakily, kind of reaching for one of the barrels in the walls, putting a tankard under it, realizing that the spigot is not giving anything out, groaning quietly under her breath, and just slumping against the side of the counter. 
when uh, Erwin comes to put the blanket on Metreon, he grabs uh, Erwin's arm and looks up at him, pleading. I'm so sorry. I didn't... I'll ruin everything for you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get him in here. It's, it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Vampires are... Well... It's strange. It's, I, I suppose we must be lucky, in a way, perhaps, that he saw fit, that there was not need for further escalation. He chuckles and winces, clearly not actually feeling amused. On the bright side, there seems to be no requirement for further renovations. So that's uh, definitely he comes back. He won't. He's made his point. I feel like there's a dramatically timed, like, primal scream from Kiva and the sound of, like, stuff getting, like, thrown around as she's, like, losing her shit after the, like, no need for further renovations line um, from upstairs. <laughs> Erwin yeah. winces. Okay, maybe a few renovations. Seeing that Matreon's coming out of it, Aerith just scoots next to him. Hey. We have to get you all out. We have to get them out of here, Randy. We can't. We can't let them stay here while. While. As what can we do to just get this place sealed back up? Get who out of here? The Markovs. Uh, yes, kid. Uh, this is open. This is open ground for them now. Esmeralda looks very sharp and very on alert. She immediately. She doesn't respond to your question, but she glances toward you. Metsoyan, I'm going to need you to answer a simple question for me, okay? Yeah, yeah. At any point this evening, today or yesterday, have you encountered von Zerovich? Did you see him? Did you hear him? Yeah, I mean, I've seen him before. As in, within the last 24 hours? No, I mean... I... Wait, that fucking bat. Oh, gods. That's what... That's the, and you see that there's this, the gears are starting to turn again. When Kiva and I was outside, there was a bat hanging out, and I tried to shoot it, but she told me not to. It's got to be why. It's got to be why she told me not to, because it was him. And she, he got us. He she, can do that while shape-shifting? She hisses under her breath. So that was when he made this mark. I feel this much. She nods so, where and dear. The most powerful among their kind. The hypnotic gaze extends even into their bestial forms. So any bat we see, we can't make eye contact with. She nods grimly. Splendid. And then he looks at Matreon. Hey, you didn't hurt anybody. You didn't. You didn't. The end. We've still got the sunlight. There's. Um, I'm not worried about us. I'm worried about these people. Like, we leave. We can't. Uh, we can't stay here. And then, and then we go. And he can come back and just do whatever he wants to them. And this isn't a safe. Nowhere is. Nowhere is safe for anyone. You hear a heavy thunk in the side of the table, and the quavering of metal. And you turn around and you see Davian, his short sword dug deep into the side of the of one of the tables, his fist clenched until the knuckles are white and his teeth just it set in a terrible grimace. 
if he fucking tries to lay a hand or finger or fucking claw on me or mine. He won't wake another fucking evening in his fucking coffin. Earth gives a rueful little smile. Well said. But, Matreon, I, I know. But, he, it, he, he can do that regardless. It's, yeah, no, there's nowhere that's safe. But you didn't make it, you didn't hurt them. They, he could have gotten in here at any time if he wanted to. This is what it feels like, and he looks up at Amity and Randy as well. I, I still feel them in my head. It's like spiders crawling around in my brain. It's just... It's like you want to do... You want to be the person he wants you to be. It's the worst feeling in the world. I'm, I'm sorry. I just still feel him in here, and I just want him out. He is out. You just have to do some scrubbing to get the scorch marks off the walls. Takes time. Took me, like, four decades. But it does leave. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Emily. I, I, I... For, for what? Because we done fucked up the birthday. This, honestly, when when he came in here, I, I thought he was gonna kill us or take the sword. We, we still have it. Wait, where's Lilith now? Oh, is like, Lilith is literally ten feet away from you. Oh yeah, he looks up and uh, realizes that you're just ten feet away. Uh, did he, did he say anything to you? Did you say anything to him? He said that he hopes to see us all soon. Are, are you currently charmed? I am not currently charmed. I want to kill Strahd. I did not look into his eyes at any point tonight. Emmy squints real hard at Lillison. <laughs> I, I still don't know. <laughs> I think we're just going to have to take her word for it. I don't think we could figure out if Lillison was lying if we tried. Lillison nope. shrugs, and she says, I think I should go see how Kiva is doing. I... Yeah. There's more crashing from upstairs. <laughs> Perfectly timed. Good luck. She nods and uh, heads out the front door and uh, goes to climb up the side stairs. Okay. As Lillison, you depart, it's not long as you make your way out into the quiet, chill night of the Vlachian evening, ascending the wooden stone staircase in the exterior and entering once more onto the guest section of the second floor and your chambers, where you can presumably still hear Kiva cra making crashing sounds. Uh, what would Lillison hear? Yeah, so... By the time that Lillison comes upstairs, Kiva, I think, has probably exhausted herself. She's She still hadn't fully healed from, from everything before, and um, and so there's probably like a sliding and a thump as Kiva just sort of slides down the wall. Um, and then it's very quiet. 
like, like scary quiet. Um, and then that's, yeah, that's what she would hear as she sort of comes up the steps. Is the door open or closed? Um, it'd probably be like half, halfway. She probably didn't, or like if she slammed it so hard that it like actually didn't slam and it just sort of bounced back open, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, Lillison is going to, this is such a bad idea. She's going to cast Nick and, uh, open the door a little wider from 30 feet away. Uh, Kiva just sort of looks up and just says, uh, so you've come to kill me then? Is that it? You didn't leave after all? Kiva, when I come to kill you, I'm not going to actually announce my presence first. When you come to kill me? I was trying to make a joke. Uh, comedy's not one of your strong suits, love. I know. I'm sorry that this remains your job every time it happens, it seems. She shrugs and uh, walks up to the doorframe. Can I touch you? Uh, um, are you feeling all right? Yes, but I know that you're not. She just opens her mouth like she's going to say something and just uh, sort of gives up and with like a weary shrug, um, you know, it's like sort of relents a little bit. And as Lil walks into the room, I mean, her hair is like down in her face. She's like, her knuckles are bruised. There's like, the room is fucking destroyed. Um, so it's not something that she's going to have to apologize to the Markovs for. Lillison walks in. Like, I assume that like beds are overturned, everything like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. She walks in and uh, just sort of sits down next to Kiva and uh, very gently and like ready to pull back if need be, um, just sort of slides an arm around Kiva's waist. Kiva just sort of um, immediately relents and uh, leans leans into Lillison and um, it's very much like a deja vu thing because she's just crying again like that first time. Wilson puts her other arm around uh, Kiva's shoulders, sort of in a sideways hug, and uh, starts just gently patting her shoulder. What was it you said to me about um, letting him think I was one of those people who would just throw myself in the way of danger? <sighs> Are you? Well, I couldn't help myself tonight, could I? Then that wasn't you, was it? I just, I just felt like I'd gotten him out. Like I wasn't wearing him on my skin and, and there he is. And I, I couldn't stop it. And I, and I felt the sword 
so disappointed. I, I can't. I don't think I've ever felt disappointment like that in my life. And I've had a very disappointing life. Can you still feel it, the sword? Uh, she'll sort of like dig into her armor and hold it. Does she feel anything? You do after a moment. There's like this tense second where you just wait with bated breath, feeling nothing, this null sensation from the hilt in your hands. And then slowly, protruding very gently and hesitantly like a hermit crab from a shell, a very sullen sense of skepticism and suspicion and sullen disappointment. And through it all, a sense of questioning. She just like holds it to her chest and I mean, it's a fucking sword, but she's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she just is like, she's like willing it to understand as much as she can believe it herself, right? Like that it, that it wasn't her and that, you know, she, if she had a choice, it wouldn't have gone down that way sort of thing. You feel in response, a quiet, rolling sense of irritation for a brief moment of flare-up of anger that then slowly fades into just a glum acceptance and beneath it a burning sense of resentment not toward you, you suspect, but toward the progenitor of the night's events. It's angry, and I am too, so I guess we're even now. Are you still more angry than exhausted? Um, uh, yeah, I'd say. I don't think I'm going to be getting much sleep tonight. Well, I don't really ever sleep. I'm just going to be sitting in this trance, and probably thinking about uh, this entire shitty fucking day. Um, it's just been one horrible thing to the next, and uh, so yeah, it's probably just going to be a couple hours of that, I'd say. Would you do me a few favors, she, like, sort of pushes the hair out of her face and gives Lilson a curious look. Would you help me put the beds back upright? She looks around as if, like, just realizing, like, the room and the state of it. Just like, oh my god. Yeah, no, we've got to fix this. I've got to fix it. Uh, yeah, she'll, like, get up, like, you know, and just try to start writing everything, like kicking the bits of glass and stuff uh, into a corner and, you know. Willison will, you know, help as much as her uh, 10 strength can manage. Um, she'll probably do things like smoothing out sheets and like sweeping up bits of glass. Well, this is happening downstairs as Erethrandir, Amity, and Metreon watch Lillison exit the tap room and make her way upstairs to the second floor. 
What are the three of you doing? Shivering, shaking. Yeah. Amity's going to start by ritual casting, locate animals or plants, targeting bat. There is indeed a bat around a mile away from you to the east. There's no bats in the entire city right now. They all left with him. What do you know? Least we can know we're not being spied on tonight. If it wasn't already clear, henceforth any bat we see dies. It's an arrow, a firebolt, whatever. It, it's it's dead. It's, it's killed. We kill it. Metrion, I literally took a spell from Victor's book for the express purpose of killing those things. You or I am in full agreement. Metrion, uh, still on like on the ground, kind of crawls up to the table and uh, pulls like just digs his hand into the cake a bit and kind of pulls a handful over and then scurries back, still with like hunched over with the blanket over him and like just kind of starts to nibble on it. Yeah, th there's one slice left. Just take it. I'm sorry. I I think you'll feel better after some sleep. Yeah. I don't know if I can help. Aerith looks quizzical for a moment, and then he looks over to Amity. I might be able to. I, uh, I had a present I wanted to share with you. Well, uh, two, actually, but, uh, this one I can share with him, too. Uh, would you mind if y'all both got to see it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. All right. Give me a moment. And Aerith goes, goes around and starts busying himself. He shuts the shutters. He closes the door, makes sure it's double-latched blows out the candles until the room's been plunged into darkness, or near darkness. Danica will look at you quizzically for a moment and then assist you in doing so. Thank you. And then Aerith sort of goes over to the corner where Matreon and Amity are sitting, and he pulls out his wand and closes his eyes. And you watch as shimmering from the tip of it there come these yellowish-green lines of bright, magical energy. And Aerith begins the steps of a dance, weaving a spell, sh leaving shimmering lines of ocean-colored light through the air, until the two of you and him are surrounded by this. And as the pattern grows and grows more complex, more vivid, and then suddenly, it's not light anymore. And there aren't rafters above you. There are stars. And the bright white glow of a summer moon. Over in waves. You're... Well, you're still in your chairs, but... There's a beach. Nighttime with stars sparkling overhead. And... Waves lapping so close that if you had scooted forward a bit, you think you could feel them touch their toes. 
Aerith pauses as if in exhaustion. Finish in touch. And raises the wand one more time. And there are waves. The sound of them lapping gently as he sits down next to the two of you. Welcome home. 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 I have nothing to give you, Amity. Not gold, not resources, not power. But I have memories. And I wanted to share this one with you. And I, I hoped it would be a nicer place than here. It's beautiful. Can I get up and get in the water, or...? I can't do feelings, sadly. But you can... Yeah, sorry. I, I don't recognize the constellations. Well, you wouldn't. You're from out Morningfleet, right? Right. Well, this is... Sky looks a lot different out east, and we don't have the same stars. And look, you look up there, you there's the archer's bow, and there's Salamander's ship. You see that cup of stars with the mast right above? They used to say that on clear nights you can see him winking at you as he sails across the stars. Amity clutches uh, Erythrindir's hand. She's only happy to spend infinite time in this zone. Yep. He carefully grabs it. And then kind of looks over at Metreon. Yeah, Metreon's still hunched over with a, a blanket just kind of draped from his head over his shoulders and just darting his eyes around, unsure of what to make of everything, but also just nibbling on cake uh, to cope here. Very, very tentatively, Aerith will place a hand on the small of his back, but will. What? I just wanted to offer. I can fuck off if you'd rather. What are you trying to offer? Like, Aerith looks like he's fishing for a witty reply and then sighs like a hug, dude. They can't see us out there, can they? Nope. This block's line of sight. Metron looks around, making sure that the coast is clear. And then, uh... In a in a odd show of genuine emotion, really goes in and uh, kind of buries his head into Erythrindir's shoulder, and then just, like, deflates into him, allowing him to, to give him a genuine hug. Yep. He pulls both of them close and just stares up and watches the stars. A small smile on his face. I like this place better than Barovia. Me too. Me, me, me too. I, I can't promise you this speech, but I... Earth looks, cuts himself off, and just hugs them both tighter. Love you. 
we got to figure out what we're going to do from here. This is all nice snow, but... Straw could get into blue water, and now he's giving us his invite. He keeps getting in our head, keeps being seven steps ahead of us. Well, in that case, he's just made a very big mistake. He's told us precisely where he's going to be. And we, we can use that. For now, go ahead. I'm just going to say I, I, I love you more. Um, you, you, you can't seriously be saying you actually want to go to the dinner. Aerith, like, takes a minute to respond because, like, he's blushing. I, I do. He's offered us free passage into his castle. It's a trap. Of course it's a trap. But so is everything here. And this is a trap that we can plan for. Do we try and get uh, that, that Casimir fellow? I mean, he seems, from what you told me, he seems like he's got a, got a beef with him too. I mean, and then, you know, I mean, Victor, he can do things and set him out there. If we can. Ah, uh, that's a good idea. I, I imagine he's not expecting us tomorrow. Yeah, there's there's no date on it, so let's just let's just wait until we think we can take him. Or yeah, until he tries to kill one of us again, or kill someone else. I really shouldn't be. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm breaking down the mood a little bit, but you're forgiven. Yeah. I, I, can I? I'm sorry. And he actually starts to uh, second guess himself and pushes himself away. Uh, is there any way he can get out? Because he starts to kind of stand up, looking yeah. very anxious. Yeah, he can leave. But as he does, Aerith grabs his hand. If you want to go, go. But you, if you want to stay, stay. Oh, oh, I mean. I like seeing this. I like seeing the sunshine and seeing the ocean, and I miss it. But it, it's it's still in my head, you know. It's still crawling around in there. He ain't in there though. But it just feels like feels like he is, and I can't really appreciate it the way I'm supposed to. So I'm a, I'm a, and he doesn't even finish. He just starts to walk away out of the illusion. Metreon. And yeah. he looks him dead in the eyes. Uh, it's... For people like that, when they get in your head, you... Waiting and hoping isn't enough. I'm not waiting. Do, I know. I'm, I'm not hoping for nothing other than driving something to his heart and another thing up his ass and just watching him burn. That's all. I know. I just wanted to say that the best thing I've found is to add more memories to push out the ones he made you have. He's not the only man who's ever done that to my head. So I I know what I need to do to just feel alright. Earth. Thank you. 
and nods. he walks away. Just I, kind of Ma- Matrigan, I... Me neither. He nods and starts to walk out. And when he does, he's actually uh, looking around, seeing if uh, Esmeralda or Irina or Ismark are around. Yes, uh, Irina and Ismark are just kind of staring wistfully at the uh, beach scene that Erythrindir has conjured. Esmeralda is just pacing in the corner, occasionally looking out the window, looking very much on high alert. Um, Davian is off to the side, uh, speaking with uh, what looks like Elvira and Adrian off in the corner. They do not all appear to be a happy bunch. He goes straight for Esmeralda, uh, kind of trying to avoid uh, meeting eyes with any of the Mardikovs, still feeling the shame of having, you know, violated their space with someone else. Um, but he comes, he ro- rolls up to her very determined. Uh, I listen, uh, I know you're pacing because he's, he's anxious and you, I'm pretty sure, uh, I can guess that you want to kill that piece of shit as soon as possible. She chuckles. <laughs> I suppose I'm a bit transparent in that respect. Yes. Um, truth be told, I'm not sure how I feel about all this. It, uh, well... I told you once that vampires are arrogant in the ways that they play with their lives and mortals, yes. Um, this certainly is... I overheard a few words. I agree this certainly presents a trap, but also an opportunity, so long as we don't let ourselves get stabbed in the back. Or the front. And she glances once more out the window, wincing. Uh, I know I ain't been the most effective in uh, the line of duty, uh... You are really smart, and you know how to do these things better than any of us here. So, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is just, you, you if you have any idea of how I can help, I just, the sooner we did get this done, the sooner it's done. And I can't, I can't let any, anyone have to deal with what any of us have dealt with anymore. She gives you a nod. Of course. Frankly, from what I've seen, you certainly seem to be quite a skilled combatant. Uh, if you would like, you know... You're a bad guy, is, but thank you. <laughs> I think I think you might be more capable than you believe, but if you truly think that... Um, well, if you would like to have a discussion, then... Well, I know that there are things that I have not mentioned, that others have mentioned, and I've been turning over what uh, the old man uh, mentioned earlier. And, uh, well... At some point, if we are to venture into uh, the lion's den, as it were, um, or whatever this temple place is, if that is where we are to travel next, I do think it might be fruitful for us to do what we can to try to coordinate more. You might not believe that you have anything to offer, but I think that, especially working with those that you trust, those that have your back, I think you might have more than you believe. Metreon's uh, uh, uncharacteristically quiet and pensive uh, looking down at the floor when she says that and he looks back over at uh, Aerith and Deer and Amity just sitting on this illusionary beach and then he kind of darts his head up in the direction of uh, where there should be screaming and punching and crying but it seems to be quiet and died down now uh, none of this makes sense but I wish I had something better to say. I wish I was more elegant or eloquent, rather. 
<laughs> hey, look, I'm not a speech giver, all right? I'm, I'm definitely not going to be any orator. That's that is. Uh, I'm sure Elshandira Amity would be far better equipped for that than me or Irene. Even she's uh, certainly got the uh, pedigree for it. But you know, I'm. I've gotten used to fighting these battles on my own. You know. Uh, perhaps I've got more of the old doctor in me than I like to think. But um, I don't think we need to say anything fancy or elegant, you know? I think we just need to come to an understanding, perhaps. And hey, if there's one thing that uh, the bastard in this castle can't quite understand, it's that, I imagine. I doubt he's got anyone. Yeah. yeah thank you, Ace. That is a bit of comfort. And uh, he forces a smile out and uh, turns and walked away. And as he does, he looks over back at Ismark and Irina and does the same, kind of forcing out a smile. But also mouths the word sorry to both of them. And then uh, goes back over to the, uh, the table that the cake was on and just kind of sits against the wall as much as he can, just uh, looking out at everybody. As Metrion does this, once the two of them are kind of alone, Erthrandir just kind of buries his face in Amity's shoulder. And for a few minutes, there's just the sound of very muffled, but very energetic crying. Oh, Amity tussles his hair. It, you made this birthday so special for me. I'm going to have to think so hard about how to make it up. <laughs> Earth pulls away slightly, his eyes wet. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you know, I was I was going to offer my other present to say if you wanted to make out, I'd be open, but this kind of ru- ruined the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but did you, you did you say make out ah I, I, I did I think out sudden the suddenly um I, I know we were just gonna say we're gonna be straightforward about that so you know don't just wanted to offer and if you don't want right, no I'm just, I'm just making sure I mean no one can see us because of all the stars and stuff yeah let me just uh we'll have to be quiet he kind of looks up means I might need to occupy my big mouth of mine with doing something else. Oh, is, is this where you, you fade to black? I mean... You are standing in the middle of the tap room, my friends. I can't see us. No, we're not. We've Deer has literally faded to black. Everyone knows know. that this is an illusion and they can see through it. <laughs> Fuck! All Them's right, no. the rules, kids! Roll back! later then just you know let you offer uh, how, Hi. how long does this last uh I can make it uh 10 minutes alright then how about in 10 minutes or so right sorry I didn't mean to oh fuck it <laughs> pulls her closer happy birthday darling 
deliver me from in, this, please. In, in, in <laughs> upstairs. Ends, they will go upstairs to a different room from the one that the other <laughs> lovebirds are in. To the one that has already been smashed to a room that will soon be smashed. I wish all lovebirds Not a very good finding a room in the completely full hotel. Eat shit, Dragna. <laughs> it's okay, there's always the attic. Upstairs, uh, is there anything more that Lillison and Kiva are doing? I mean... <laughs> are we about to find... <laughs> kidding? <laughs> after, after doing nothing other than putting the room to rights, um, Lillison is going to, uh, you know, see how Kiva seems to be doing emotionally now. She's definitely better. Like, there's that sense that, like, having a, a sort of purpose and a mission is making her, um, is giving her something else to think about. Um, but then, <laughs> sorry, just saw the read your spells. Um, but then, um, once she's done and the room is sort of uh, put back together um, she does sort of look very crestfallen and lost and, and doesn't know like she doesn't know what she's going to do next sort of thing Lillison watches her for a moment and then says and the other favor I was hoping to ask you uh, yeah yeah please Any anything uh, this will sound a little strange, but could we go outside behind the inn and, um, could you, um, teach me how to fight? Uh, I mean, you've got your, your spells and, and everything, is that, I can't, I can't help you any with that, obviously. Not that you need it, of course, you're... I meant with a sword. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to use the sun sword, obviously, but uh, I've got the the mace and stuff that I can use, and uh, maybe Ez. Uh, I know Ez has a rapier, so we can we can talk to her. Unless you have one. I um, borrowed a practice sword from Ismark earlier. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, this is. This is great, actually. Um, it's just what I need. Melissa nods, like, a little knowingly, and, uh, and says, Well, let's, uh, get right to it, I suppose? Yeah, let's, let's go. And so she's, she looks, like, um, a little bit pluckier, still, like, uncomfortable in her skin, but she's trying to, like, this again, this purpose is, is driving her forward. Um, and so, yeah, oh my God, we're gonna do some fighting, cool fighting montage. We're gonna do some tense sword fighting behind the inn. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. I, I DM for 13 year olds. Correct. Four people <laughs> who have been trapped inside of their homes for an entire pandemic and are desperate <laughs> for any human contact. Fuck it, it's Pride Month, who cares? All right. Uh, is there anything in particular you wish to uh, uh, explore during this training montage, or 
I feel like Shall we just he, montage it? I mean, yeah, I think just like to sort of give an outline as far as like, I don't know if Lillison is going to roll stuff or like take any specific like, or if this is just for narrative purposes, but she'd probably teach her like the basics of sort of um, like positioning and then like fighting from a sort of normal distance and then like how to use a sword even in, in close combat um, sort of situation. Yeah, and um, you know, Kiva would probably see pretty quickly that Lillison knows how to do very basic um, sword drills, things like that, uh, because I believe that is part of the Rogue Toolkit, um, but that she's not too... Uh, she doesn't attack very hard yet. Eva's definitely the type of... <laughs> She's the type of like wrestling coach that's like, no, 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 I want you to do it full force because you're not going to learn unless you go full force. So like literally stab me. I want to see how you stab. Um, so yeah, there's probably like Kiba's definitely going to like push Lillison a little bit, you know, to like, don't hold back. This is because when you do it for real, you're not going to be able to have that chance to to think about holding back. So um, I think it's also a little bit of a masochistic thing after the evening um as well which i think lillison would be able to see but yeah she's gonna she's gonna push it we're channeling energy productively <laughs> beautiful all right well is there anything else anyone would like to do this evening aside from things that according to twitch's content rules we cannot display can we make the sounds at least absolutely we can, not we can display <laughs> Certain contacts. I'm very familiar with TOS after watching uh, oh, no. Hassan Piker's broadcast. Um, <laughs> no, there is not Dragon, <laughs> lovely DM. This podcast episode. Exactly. Oh god. All right. If something happens to be written on Ao3. Just link it to me. Yeah. Yep. Or anyone, anyone who oh. you know, Tumblr, you know, read whatever. That's weird. We'll do a dramatic reading. We will, yeah. They okay. Yeah. After Dark's around for a reason. In that case, I'm going to assume that after a an evening of fervent sword fighting and stargazing and whatever it is that Metreon's doing, you retire to your chambers on the second floor? Actually, yeah. Yep. Okay. Metreon's going to uh, pull Lillison mm -hmm. and uh, stay in the tap room and be as far away from other people as possible right now. Oh shit, because Kiva was going to do the same thing. Can we be far away together since, like, commiserating? Sure. Great. Cool. Okay. In that case, are the other three upstairs with our companion friends? I mean, if Erthrandir and Amity are deliberately taking a different room, I guess it's just just Lillison by herself. There are no rooms available are unless you want to ask. We are not the logistics of this. All right. Actually, no. It happens in an empty room that happens to be empty for the exact ten minutes that Erthrandir needs. Are there actually no rooms available, though? I have done the math. There are no rooms available except the attic. Oh, my God. To the attic. There are like 14 people in this inn right now. Is that where Ez and uh, Ismark and Irina are sleeping? I guess Ez could sleep in her wagon. She does not have her wagon right now. Oh, damn, that's right. It's over at the tower. Fuck. Regardless, is there anything more? Kiva and Metron are downstairs, moping on opposite sides of the tap room. Uh, Ez, Irina, Ismark. needs to happen. Okay. Uh, anything from Lillison? Lillison's gonna do Lillison things. She's right. She she's finishing her letter to Strahd somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
and like finding i guess there's no bats within a one mile radius so <laughs> i don't know how she's gonna get it to him just throw it up <laughs> into the sky and he'll get it <laughs> i would say if you deign to look out a window you will notice that there does seem to be a bat hanging from the eve of the inn perhaps some have filtered back into town Okay. It does not uh, take that long to travel a mile by air. Roll initiative. <laughs> Lillison delicately hands her scroll to the bat. Alright, the the bat express happily accepts your scroll and flies off into the night, doing its best to look uh, dark and dramatic, but utterly being foiled by the giggling coming from halfway down the hall. And as everyone turns in for their evening's rest... Waiting to see if there are any interruptions. No? Alright, as everyone turns in for their evening's rest and prepares to turn in for a new day, that is where we will take our break. Magna's like, get me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We're out. This this is where we end. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 got, I had a straw encounter planned today. What the fuck are y'all doing with it? Yeah, I think he was just embarrassed by all the, the, the wrestling and, and arguing that we were doing. He just was like, I really don't need to do much. Love it. <sighs> all right. Well, thank you all very much for sticking around. We appreciate you all, and we hope to see you again after a brief 15 minute break. We will see you back here very soon.